sets it a little bit to the left. 11 yards shy of the record. Williams breaks a hole. Williams had a record book. Ricky Williams runs to the Hall of Fame. Touchback. Ricky Williams touchdown. Young from the shotgun. Back to throw. Vince looks under pressure. He'll tuck it in run. Vince to the five. Young. Touchdown, Texas. Touchdown, Vince Young. He's done it again. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Hello and welcome into another edition of the Longhorns Country Podcast. My name is Matt Galatson and I will be your host. And today I'm once again joined by my co-host, John Garcia, who is the who, or who is a national recruiting analyst or the national recruiting analyst at Sports Illustrated. John, how's it going? It's going, man. Uh, Mid-November creeping in, signing day a month away coaching carousel tirades on buses we got a lot going on and i love it yeah you know I, we were just talking before we hit record on this thing that i've got a pretty busy weekend ahead but you've got signing day coming up so i can't imagine what your next 30 days or so are going to be like so uh you know godspeed on that one yeah just trying to be like you man yeah it's, it's going to be a fun stretch one of the sec coaches i speak to told me this morning he said uh silly season is turning into crazy season so yeah it's going to be fun down the stretch every school it seems like every big time school is in it for such a wide pool of kids and all these schools overlap with one another all the texas targets are looking at AM. all the AM targets are looking at bama all the bama targets are looking at georgia and it's just it's going to be a really uh, a crazy finish here down the stretch still more decommitments more flips coming it's it's going to be wild, and uh, we just hope to to catch all the uh, moving parts as they go by. Yeah, and obviously we'll have the the Texas stuff here at LonghornsCountry.com. But if uh, if you want if you want a more national perspective, make sure and go check out John's stuff at SIL American and SI National. He does a kick ass job over there. So um, be be sure to tune in for that as the uh, as the month goes by, because a lot of these kids are really enjoying this process and they're not really uh you know they're not really tipping their hand too much i'm thinking of guys like evan stewart and uh guys like that so anyway um back to the regularly scheduled programming texas ran into a bit of a buzzsaw this past weekend john um things looked good in the first half relatively speaking i mean they were leading but then you know, Iowa State came out in the second half and, and really put the they, – they laid the wood to him, we'll say. Uh, Brees Hall kind of went nuts in the second half. Texas couldn't find any consistency on offense after that first Hudson Card drive um, after he came in for a bench, Casey Thompson. So, I guess we'll kind of kind of just start from the top here. What, what do you think happened on Saturday? That what, what, what went wrong for the Longhorns? Well, a lot went wrong. First of all, you were facing a team uh, with with nothing to lose, and they played like it. You know, Iowa State was the looser squad. I mean, look, they were at home, and um, I, I think that offense in particular, Purdy, Brees Hall, a, a lot more experienced and certainly a lot more cohesiveness with one another compared to Texas, regardless of which quarterback was under center or at least in shotgun to the Longhorns. So, so I think that created created a little bit of an urgency with Texas. But look, I mean, 
UT, even with the quarterback change, which I know we'll get into, um, neither quarterback played well. Casey had the short hook and got pulled. But really that first drive with Card, it was a run-heavy drive. Bijan Robinson finally sort of got going a little bit. And then you, you run the end around to, to Worthy, boom, touchdown, you're up, you get a stop. And this is really where I think the whole game shifted. Late second quarter, I think there was like four minutes to go. You're in control. Bijan's gotten going in the run game. So now that, that cyclone, I was going to say Hawkeye, that cyclone defense a little bit off balance, boom, Sark goes with what we've seen so much throughout his career, goes for the dagger immediately with that defense off balance. Xavier Worthy gets behind the entire ISU secondary, Hudson Card overthrow. So instead of 14 to three going into the half, you go three and out. Iowa State marches down, gets going, and then it's halftime. And then we all know what happened in the second half. Brees Hall got loose, trick plays, and it was just kind of a snowball that you couldn't come back if you're Texas. And I think the problems resonate uh, all, all the way through. Like everybody deserves some blame here. Uh, I thought Sarkeesian pulled. Uh, Casey Thompson a little bit sooner than he maybe should have card was inconsistent, just like Thompson was, you know, the O-line didn't help either quarterback or B. John Robinson. Uh, you like that Sark was force feeding B. John early because, you know, you just need that, right? Some of these Texas losses, he had less than 20 touches and that's just unacceptable. So you saw progress in the plan with Sarkeesian and company, but the execution still, not quite there. The offensive line deserves a, a lot of blame here. Defensively, I thought Coburn, that front seven, played really well for two quarters. And, and even in the second half against Brees Hall, it was the one big run, right? 47 yards, whatever it was. He was relatively pedestrian other than that. Uh, and, and you got beat by a trick play. I, I thought it was just small margins. Like the score really didn't tell you what happened in this game. Losing at the catch point, um, small mistakes, whether it's wrapping up or looking in the backfield on a trick play. It's just, it was just a lot of little things. And they just, it felt like a basketball game in terms of how quickly it shifted at that four minute mark in the second quarter. And it was just all Iowa state thereafter. Uh, and that was kind of it. I just thought the margins were really tight for both teams and, and, Iowa state was just that much better on the plus side of those margins. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those where you kind of have to reassess everything. You know, I, I, again, I thought the plan was good. I thought the execution from the coaches in game as well as the players in game was was really inconsistent. And, and but I thought the defense actually played pretty good football. I mean, you, you get beat on a trick play. No coach is going to berate you over that in film. It just you know, it's it's eye discipline. It, it happens in the NFL. It just is what it is. But I thought. They kept Brock Purdy on his toes, didn't sack him a ton, but they kept him flushed a lot. So I don't think either offensive line played particularly well. Iowa State, again, with that veteran group of skill position players, did make more plays on the outside just individually. You know, Xavier Hutchinson had a huge game right through a touchdown, caught it seemed like every third down when, when Purdy needed him. And, and they worked the middle of the field pretty well, but I don't think there were any trendy lapses from that Longhorn defense. Again, the front seven played well. 
And I thought a lot of the margins were just lost there, like losing at the catch point, uh, jumping too early, you know, something like that. It, it was really small things. They just compiled in, in quite a hurry. And, and you didn't score in the second half. So that, you know, just deflated any type of a comeback attempt. And, and the score ended up, you know, 30 to seven. So on paper, a blowout. But when you watch the game, things were really, really tight. And that that miss to Worthy, man, it's like every game you get one shot because Worthy's just faster than everyone else. You get one shot to connect with him. And Texas, in its best performances, have had hit on those. Obviously, the Oklahoma game, so many of these games, he's been such a star. When you miss one, it just it just takes the air out of a team, especially on the road against a team that has been around for a long time, and you get this kind of result. Yeah, and, and, and Texas, like, I mean, they've had a few of those this season where it hasn't always necessarily been uh, a deep shot that they missed or whatever, but they've had these chances in these games on these plays where if it goes their way, you may have a totally different result. Um, against Arkansas, it was the muff punt at the beginning of the game. If they pick that up and, and go in and score a touchdown, that kind of changes the dynamic of that game, kind of quiets the crowd a little bit. Um, I don't know if you still win that game or if you win that game or not, but that's that's a big play there. Oklahoma, it was the the fourth down, Caleb Williams, you know, run for the touchdown that really broke the game wide open. Yeah. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, it was the it was the pick six. Um, and then Baylor, you know, had its play too. So a uh, lot, lot of plays like that for the Longhorn, Longhorns this season and these losses that have kind of come back to, to bite them. And, and those are plays that I think after, you know, after Sark kind of gets his culture, and we'll talk a lot more about the culture here in a little bit, but after his culture is sort of more ingrained in these kids and he gets his own players in the system and, and he's established at Texas after, you know, another year or two, I think those are the kinds of things that start to go his way. It's it, They're the kinds of things that, that go Nick Saban's way. They're the kind of things that go, you know, Mario Cristobal's way and Ryan Day's way. And the teams that win, you know, those kind of plays go their way. Kirby Smart, those kind of things. So um, I, I think that's something that, you know, like we've been saying the last couple of weeks, you're right. Texas is right there. Um, the four and five record doesn't show it, but they really are close. Um in so many ways to winning these games. And that's the probably the most frustrating part about it, not just for the, for the fans, but for the coaches and the players too. Um, you know, they, they have good plans every week, like you said too. So it's, it's, it's extra frustrating, but on another note, I, I really did like how the defense played, not just this week, but the last few weeks, I think they've made some major improvements since the second half of the Oklahoma game. And in a lot of, a lot of cases, it, it kind of seems like um, they're just starting to kind of wear down in the second half because the offense isn't able to mount any sort of sustained drives in the, in the second halves of these games. I mean, it's just it's not a recipe for success where you're going three and out and three and out and turning the ball over and three and out. And, um, you know, their their scoring totals in the second half just aren't there to give the defense any sort of rest or any sort of momentum boost or anything like that. And eventually the defense is just going to start to wear down. And I feel like that's kind of what's happened to, to the Texas defense over the last couple of weeks. What are your thoughts on that? No, I think you're right. I mean, this won't be viewed as a collapse, quote unquote, relative to Baylor, relative to OU and all that, because there wasn't a huge lead, but it, it should have been a 14 to three lead <laughs> at the half. 
But yeah, I, I don't know the exact reason why the second halves have been so poor offensively for Texas. Uh, It's been certainly uh, creating a vulnerability for the defense. Um, And I think conversely, it makes opposing offenses feel a little bit more confident, right? Like Texas, like to be Texas in theory in the last month and a half, you just got to weather the early storm because Sark's going to have a good plan. And Texas has good players, right? So you got to weather the early storm that you might deal with and then just start climbing uphill. But once you get once you get over that hump, it's downhill and you'll kind of cruise there at the end against Texas. I do think there is a lack of depth on defense. I think the secondary is older. Uh, there's going to be a lot of turnover there. I think the whole back seven, for that matter, is going to have a lot of turnover. In, in the next year, year and a half, uh, and you need more bodies. And, and that comes – that's one of the, the risks you take when, when you change coaching staffs, right, especially with the transfer portal, especially coming off a of COVID year where nobody loses that year of eligibility, the one-time transfer rule passes. All these things snowball into a lot of attrition for programs going through a coaching change. And it, it really reveals itself in the back half of the season – we talk about, talked about at the top of the show, it's, it's mid-November, it's getting cold out, or it's already cold, if you're like me, from Miami. Uh, so, you know, all that stuff matters when you're talking about college kids still, still working through their own thing. So, yeah, it, it really puts the defense in, in a tough spot. But I just, for the life of me, can't figure out why the offense can't get going beyond the offensive line troubles, which have been there all season long. You know, is it is the play calling, the adjustment not there with Sark and the staff offensively? Is that where maybe he needs to look in the mirror as a coach? Because the, the script is always good. The start is always strong offensively with Texas. And I thought in this game, it was the same thing. You know, I know Casey Thompson only got two drives, but it was an execution issue. You know, the first third down they failed. There was a dig route. Um and I believe it was Washington coming across on the dig route and Thompson, uh, you know, throws the ball in the dirt in the second drive, third and six, something like that tied in on a button hook, right at the sticks, Thompson in the dirt again. And in both cases, he didn't step into the throw despite a rare lack of pressure. So you're almost creating, <laughs> you're almost creating a, with the lack of offensive line continuity, you're creating a, a quicker clock for those Texas quarterbacks because Hudson Card had the same issues except he was high where Thompson was low with his, with his, with some of his throws, the overthrow to worthy. There was another third down where he was high and nearly got intercepted. It, you're creating an urgency with your inexperienced quarterbacks. They're both inexperienced, right? So hey, all of this kind of snowballs uh, together, but, but you're no doubt putting the defense in a tough spot in the second half. And despite a good script offensively in the first halves, the execution isn't there to sustain it. So these comebacks have become the trend or, or these, these uh, change of feel in the second and third quarter of these games have become the trend with Texas football. Yeah. And, you know, to, to, to Casey Thompson's credit, he does have a, a thumb thing that he's dealing with and that, you know, likely did have some impact on um, his ability to throw the football. But if that was the case going in, you know, you watched him all week in practice. If you're Sark, I mean, you watched him all week in practice, and if you thought there was an issue there, he probably shouldn't have been in the game to begin with. Right. Um, and 
you know, that that plays into uh, what's going on this week, because uh, when the when they released the depth chart earlier this week, it was Casey Thompson or Hudson Card at quarterback. And uh, <laughs> who started that? Who started the or was that Saban? I don't know, man. It probably it was probably that that is the worst. Like that, that is the worst thing. What you mean, or like, of course it's or. You know, you're Democrat or Republican. Like, you don't have to acknowledge that it's or. Like, right. there's no need for a depth chart if it's or, right? Am I am I crazy here? No, you're right. And and just because you release a depth chart to the <laughs> to the media on Monday or Tuesday doesn't mean that you can't change your mind on Thursday or Friday. So yeah, or that. I, I don't know. It, it's a weird deal. Um, but you know, so today in, in the press conference, Sark had said, er, Sark had said earlier in the week that he was going to announce a starter today. And then today he did not announce a starter. He said he was going to wait till tomorrow, which to me means that he wants to see what happens with Thompson's thumb for one more day. And if it's sort of the same deal, then he's probably going to go with Hudson and Hudson's probably going to have a big game against Kansas this weekend because Kansas is just dreadful in every aspect of the game. <laughs> um, I believe they rank last or second to last in almost every single major statistical category you can think wow. of, except for pass defense. They're fourth in the in the Big, big 12 in pass defense, but I think part of that is because you can just literally hand your running back the ball and tell the offensive line to get out of the way and they, they could go – they can go, uh, you know, put up a bunch of yards. But to Kansas's credit, they did they did play Oklahoma pretty hard a couple weeks ago, and they almost beat them there. But other than that game, they've been awful. So if if Hudson's the starter and he goes off against Kansas, then that creates even more controversy because it's the same kind of deal with with Casey Thompson. You know he he replaced Hudson in the Arkansas game, played pretty well in the second half, and then against Texas Tech and against Rice, he put up huge numbers. I'm pretty sure Hudson would have put up big numbers in those games too because those defenses were terrible. And then he put up big numbers in the first half against Oklahoma. You know, I don't know if Hudson could have done that or not. The point I'm making is it, it's sort of it's sort of coming all the way back around. You know, Hudson struggled, Casey took over, played well, and now Casey is struggling. Hudson may be taking over, and if he plays well against Kansas, he might hold on to the job for, you know, the next couple of weeks because West Virginia's defense is pretty bad. Kansas State's kind of, eh, around. You know, it, the last these last three games are not going to be the 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 previous five games, if you know what I mean. So, right. Um, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to figure out here if you're Sarkeesian. There's a lot to figure out with Hudson. There's a lot to figure out with Casey, and for both of them, if whichever one loses the job, there's a there's a lot to think about going into the off season. I mean, we've been talking for the last few weeks about Hudson potentially in, entering the transfer portal, but now he has an opportunity to to win the job back and keep it. So a, a lot a lot going on this week for sure uh, in the regards to the quarterback my cynical brain just for some reason when you said that flashed to spencer rattler at texas it's not gonna happen everyone <laughs> my brain just <laughs> my brain just did that and i was like oh my god this is like this is the lebron i'm gonna embrace being the villain kind of thing and i would would absolutely love that it's not gonna happen though i get it 
But you're right. This this lack of I don't know if the word is belief from Sarkeesian to go with one guy. And maybe the health concerns with Thompson are the main catalyst for this. But it creates doubt. And the last few games will not change that regardless of who plays well or who plays, period, right? Because you should play well. You should get to a bowl and go from there. And maybe you just chalk it up to that and you say, hey, bowl practice time. I don't know how many. I think it's 12 extra practices. Those 12 extra practices, you know, six of those practices, Card will get the reps with the ones and the other six, it will be Thompson and we'll go from there. You treat it like a spring season almost. Maybe that's the best way to do it because you give if, if the, the thumb issue is that bad, you give that time to heal in the meantime. But before that point, which is where we're at right now, it is going to create doubt regardless, which is why I was so curious about the quick hook for Thompson if it wasn't health-related against Iowa State because it's not like Card went in there and lit it up. Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot to consider. And Sark knows he's going to be forever linked with not only how he handles the back end of this quarterback decision, but how he acquires talent at that position going forward. They've got Malik Murphy committed. Is he a year one type of impact guy? I'm not sure. So it it creates, you talk about doubt. There is doubt in every layer of this quarterback situation. And and I think he knows, Sark knows, that that's the chief thing he has to figure out between now and and probably the spring game, if not, um, like I said, those ball practices. So, yeah, that's going to be the most talked about Texas deal, uh, I would imagine, the rest of the way because we're not going to get those answers in the next month. Yeah. And in another place where we're kind of looking for answers for Texas is at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, it started with, uh, with Jordan Winnington going down with that injury against Oklahoma late in the game. And he's out for likely the remainder of at least the regular season. And then, um, you know, after his blow up with Sark before the Baylor game a couple weeks ago, um, Josh Moore officially entered the transfer portal this past week, uh, meaning Texas is down another starter at wide receiver, which means not only does Xavier Worthy's job as a freshman get a lot harder because um, you know he was already the primary guy for for the vast majority of the season. But now all eyes are going to be focused on him even more because the other wide receivers, guys like Kelvante Dixon and, and Marcus Washington, those, those kind of guys, um, teams aren't going to be looking at those guys the same way they looked at Jordan, Jordan Whittington and Josh Moore. Um, you know, and you, and you were already down Troy O'Meary before the season even started. So the receiver position outside of Xavier Worthy is kind of a disaster for Texas at the moment. Um, and you could feel it. You could feel it. That, that's why the beginning of the passing game for, for Thompson and Card, who was the primary? It was all B. John Robinson. He had eight catches in the game. I mean, they, they, none of them went for good yardage, but that was you could already see the compensating happening with the lack of depth at the wide receiver position. Yes, Worthy had his chances, but not many. And I, I don't think – let me pull up the numbers here. I don't think anybody had more than a couple catches, not named Bijan. So 
this is this is a major major concern and again it goes right into the chief problem that Texas is dealing with right now the quarterback position I mean you threw for 103 yards against a not elite Iowa State defense when you were down most of the game it is a major major concern and there is not a clear or quick fix because guess what you're going to do when you play Texas and Kansas might even have some success initially. You're going to load that box to stop five and you're going to bracket worthy. That's it. That's it. You, you're going to the quarterback runs going to be wide open. Anything to those secondary options is going to be open. So work the tight end, try to play a little bit more wide, you know, some drags some crossers, some bubbles, anything to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly, because those numbers will be there for the foreseeable future, but uh, you still have to show that you can use that to your advantage. And obviously Texas was, was on, unable to do that the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't have the tight end personnel to kind of, um, you know, adjust to this, this issue. They don't have the depth at wide receiver at the moment. And that's honestly, that's kind of your pitch to Evan Stewart right now. Right. Um, you know, Hey, you were probably already going to be a starter coming in on day one, but now it's guaranteed. Um, with Josh Morgan and, and these, you know, these other options that they have. But I mean, that's next year. This year, you, you or this, you know, this weekend, you have to figure out how you're going to account for that. And it's, you're right. There's no clear answer to it. There's nothing on the roster that that strikes fear into your heart if you're Kansas or, or West Virginia or, or Kansas State outside of Xavier Worthy. Um, and until Texas can figure out how to how to fix that then, you know, it, it's going to be kind of easy to defend them, even when you have a brilliant mind like Sark. When Jordan Winnington went down, that, I think, is when the Texas offense really started to struggle. Because since that point, they have been unable to score in big numbers. They've had leads against Baylor and, and Oklahoma State, sure, but the offense was not the same. Um, and I, I think that injury plays a lot more into the into the struggles that Texas is having right now than people give it credit for. I agree. You have to work the middle of the field. And Whittington was kind of a receiver trapped in a tight end's body, right? So he, he along with Bijan, were your middle of the field workers. More could work those intermediate levels inside and out. He's a really good route runner. And then obviously Worthy is your – you know, blow the, the lid off of the defense kind of guy. So game one this year, you had the elements to stress the entirety of the defense, both vertically and horizontally. And now when you face Texas, you're worried about that running back and you're worried about just the one vertical option where to whichever side where they lines up. And that's kind of it. So these are still uh, power five coaches, power five players um, who will now have an easier plan that can allow you to be more aggressive. So thinking of that combined with the, the lack of success we've seen up front for the Longhorns, if I'm Kansas, if I'm Lance Leopold, I'm just sending the dogs in. Just go. Just go get Texas. Send everything downhill and, and try to keep worthy in front of you. And that's kind of it. That's the entirety of, of the game plan. And it is something that shouldn't be possible against Texas. But again, as we talked about earlier, all the elements of roster building in 2021 for a first-year coaching staff 
have been really hard to deal with. And, and we're seeing it literally week in, week out uh, in Austin. Yeah. And, and a lot of these struggles have led to a lot of frustration. Like we said, not just with the fan base, but with the players and with the coaches. And always in year one, under a new coaching staff, doesn't matter where you are, um, doesn't matter what team you have. There's there's always going to be, you know, a battle going on in the locker room between the coaches and the players buying in and implementing your new culture and all that stuff because it's a transition and transitions aren't easy. Um, Sark didn't really get a chance to know any of these players before taking over the job. It's he didn't recruit these guys. He wasn't sitting in their living room recruiting them. Um, none of that stuff. He just, you know, they Texas fired the guy that that a lot that the vast majority of these players did that with. And now they're bringing in this new guy, and, and a lot of a lot of players are probably a little bit apprehensive about what's going on. And Sark is building his culture, and I think he is winning these guys over. And I don't think he's lost the locker room. I've seen people saying on social media that Sark's lost the locker room and this thing's a disaster. It's not. It's the first year of the program. It's these things are going to happen. And on Saturday, after the Iowa State game, we saw probably the biggest indicator of all of this that we've seen all season long. And it was after the game, Texas defensive tackles coach Bo Davis apparently took a little bit of an exception to the way some of the players were acting after the game. Maybe they didn't take the loss too seriously. Maybe they were making jokes after getting embarrassed on the field. I don't know the particulars, but he went off on the team bus. And so, and one of the players, God bless his soul, because he's going to have a rough week if they figure out who that was. Um, he recorded it, and it got leaked on social media, and it kind of took the college football landscape by storm. Um, he was not nice. It was very profane. And he was calling them out, frankly. Um, excuse the French if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, but he was calling them on their bullshit. And pretty much everything he said um, I don't think was very uh, inaccurate. You know, the, these guys that, you know, are are – these guys that are still in this in this program right now, they either need to get in line or get out, and and that's kind of the message that every coaching staff has to send to to the new program when they get there. It's like it's you're going to buy into our culture because this is our program, and if you want to be a part of it, then you then you need to buy in. Otherwise, you can go somewhere else. And I think Josh Moore was probably the first casualty of that. Um, and you know we'll kind of have to see where it goes from there. But what are your thoughts about the Davis tape? Look, I'm I'm not an old man. I'm not a young man, but I do lean old school more than not when it comes to football and the culture around it, especially when it comes to accountability, the relationship between coach and player, et cetera. I loved what Bo Davis did. Now, was it perfect? Could could it have been amended for 2021 eyes and ears? Probably. But the core of it was about accountability. And it was a collective frustration. It wasn't a me versus y'all. It wasn't, and we've seen coaches get frustrated. I've, I've been in locker rooms 
where coaches start to separate themselves from the players and say, I'm doing my job, you're not. That's not what this was. This was, we are collectively failing. And on the bus ride, I don't know if it was to the airport or back to wherever it was. And on the bus ride, people are not holding themselves accountable by their behavior. In this case, I guess it was laughing or talking or just some, you know, middle school chit chat, whatever it was, it pissed them off because of the bigger picture. You just lost 30 to seven to a team. You're more talented than. And again, like you said, you're trying to build this culture. So I I think he could have worded it better. And people who are pissed off are are isolating the fact that he MF'd a group of players and he didn't single anyone out by name, which was good for him. But you could hear that he was on the verge of tears, Matt. This is passion. This is the attempt to build and create a culture that is going to be held accountable at every stretch, not just in the, in the meeting room and in the classroom and on the field and pregame and postgame and singing the alma mater, but on the damn bus and everywhere in between, the standard is the same. And, and it is so difficult to create that. And you could just hear, I've listened to it like five times, you can hear the frustration and the passion behind Bo's words. And he's right, by the way. That's, that's the bigger picture. Throw the PC stuff out of here. He's right. There will be more attrition. Like you said, there's already action in the transfer portal and more is likely to come, including the brave soul who recorded it and and either sent it to somebody and then they posted it. However, that happened. It's like we didn't learn from the LSU thing two years ago, right? Uh, with, With Coach O, that he's still answering questions about two years later on the way out of a job. This this is how important it is. It's Texas. What, what, what are we talking about? This is Texas football. It is near the top of any sport, any organization in terms of what it should be and what the current group is aspiring towards. And that's head coach on down. And I think that's why Sark backed Bo. He, he's, they've overlapped in their coaching careers prior. There's a reason he was kind of the primary D-line coach target. And he's a damn good recruiter, by the way. And, and I don't think you have to make an argument as to why. You can kind of hear it at the, at the low point, at the quote-unquote rock bottom of Texas football in, in 2021. So I, I applaud Bo. I applaud Sark for how they both have handled it. And I, uh, I think th- this is – it was meant to be private but it reflects a true wake-up call, rock-bottom moment for Texas this season. It should have been like that, leaving that game. And I, I, like I said, I have almost no issue with it. And, and for those who do, I, I get it, but come on, man. Just, just lighten up. This is football. This is not a club. This is not a recreational activity. This is not a complimentary activity to something else. This is the, this is everybody's job is, is, is right there in front of you. So it matters. Every single element of every day matters. And this was a reflection of that. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm 100% behind the message that he was trying to send. I think that I'm, I'm more in line with you where I'm a little bit more 
uh, I, I lean a little bit more towards the old school way of doing things uh, when it comes to to football and, and just sports in general. I, you know, this the, the PC approach to this kind of stuff just I don't think it works. And I, I think the successful coaches in this business are still the successful coaches in this business because they are that way. Nick Saban is the best and he's old school as hell. <laughs> Bill Belichick is the best. And he's old school as hell. So um, I, I do think that says something for that, but I, I'm glad you brought up Sark supporting him because, and we'll kind of close with this, but um, he talked about that, this in the press conference today. And I, I wanted to, to kind of bring y'all what he said, and since you weren't able to, um, you weren't able to be in attendance for that, obviously, but he said, the, I think the one thing that jumped out to me when I first saw the video videos, you could hear the passion in Bo's voice. We really believe in the staff that we hired and, when, and what we came here to do. You could feel the passion and want to get it done. And I think that's important. You know, I, I think that um, I, there's a lot of guys on the roster who probably aren't passionate enough about it right now. They're, they're not in the headspace where they're uh, where they need to be. To, to play football for Texas or, or frankly, to play power five football for some of these guys. I mean, listen, the guy that recorded this video, he's, he made, not only did he make a massive mistake doing that, but I'm pretty sure they know who it is. The and players I'm, damn sure know who it was. Cause you could look at the positioning in the bus. Yeah. There's only two by two. They know exactly who it was. And I feel for the guy sitting next to him, because he's kind of he's going to be guilty by association and or the confirmation source to whoever whoever highest up is looking at this thing that person that player whoever it is that's going to be the last source of confirmation that yeah it was it was this person he was sitting next to me yeah and he's going to have a rough week because Sark was asked about if they knew who it was and he said it's unfortunate that a young man decided to do that this is going to be handled internally. And that, <laughs> that is a little bit foreboding for that kid. I don't, we don't know who it is yet. I'm not sure if we'll ever find out who it is, but I imagine it's going to be one of these kids that ends up entering the transfer portal either soon or as the season goes on. But the other thing that was important that I think Sark said about this whole thing was when you're in the midst of creating your culture, you're going to have people that buy into what you want to do. We have plenty of young men on our team that are buying in and have continued to buy in and are doing the things that we are doing it the way we want done. Um, it's football. It's an emotional sport. Clearly, Bo was exuding a great deal of emotion and passion. In what he was saying. I just, I, I think he's, I think he handled this perfectly, John. I, I, I think he's, he's one hundred percent behind his assistant coach, and he should be. And he is sort of by doing that, sending a message to to his team, like, "Hey, don't co <laughs> don't come running to daddy because because your big brother was mean to you. He's right. You need to get your shit together." And I I think that's a really good message for him to be sending, not just to Bo Davis, not just to the players in general, but also to the fan base. Like, "Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna fix these issues that Texas has had with." entitlement and you know these players who come here thinking they're going to get coddled because they play for the university of texas i mean that's a thing 
that's been a thing. That was a thing under Mac Brown towards the end. That was a thing under Charlie Strong. That was a thing under Tom Herman. And I think the fact that he recognizes that and he's trying to change that is a pretty big deal. It's just necessary. When, when, you, when you make the 30 for 30 on Texas football, this is going to be where the montage begins. <laughs> it's going to be the Bo Davis speech on the bus. And then you're going to have all the cool edits of, of weight room and sweat and spring ball and maybe cutting a player transfer portal signing day. You're going to have all the montage elements into whatever the ceiling is for this group in terms of Steve Sarkeesian, that coaching group at Texas, you know, it will, it will end with whatever high point, but this will be the beginning of that, that Rocky like montage um, in the movie, in the 30 for 30 of, of Texas football in the Sark era. And again, it's, it's just necessary. Um, you cannot, you cannot navigate a rough climate four and five at Texas is a rough climate, regardless of how you got there. And it's even rougher when you consider you've led in, I mean, have they led in every game, Matt? I think they might have Uh, Uh, maybe, maybe not one. I I think maybe not Arkansas, but I could be wrong about that. Right. So you've led in just about every game and including the biggest ones on your schedule. So it, that four and five stings just a little bit more. Um, so it, it's just a necessary step in the bounce back. You know, it's, it's, it's the low point, and the low point has to be recognized. It, it can't just, you know, it can't be a, a moving low point. You know, it's got to be like, hey, guys, this is rock bottom. The only way from here is up. And we just happen to, to see the private exclamation point in that self-awareness. And uh, I can't wait to see how that montage ends. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. And obviously it starts this weekend uh, against Kansas. Texas should be able to cleanse their palate a little bit with Kansas. Uh, If they don't, then we are talking about a whole new batch of issues that they need to work on because Kansas is very, very bad at football. This is not Kansas basketball. It's Kansas football, and it is not good. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to see where it goes from there. But, uh, John, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No, sir. Just appreciate uh, always always chopping it up with you, talking ball and talking about the, the bigger picture. Texas is is a just a, a beacon of, of college football, and, and this 21 season is going to be hard to forget no matter how this thing shakes out going forward uh, with Sark. I did see a weird stat. The last three head coaches at UT all started four and five. Don't know if that's a good thing. Don't know if that's a bad thing, but uh, it is, it is reality. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how Sark uh, moves forward compared to the, the last couple of guys. All right. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Longhorns country podcast. Make sure to like rate and subscribe on all your favorite platforms and make sure you check out the longhornscountry.com website where we are bringing you the latest news and analysis on your Texas Longhorns. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you probably next week, I would imagine, after this Kansas game. And then uh, we'll go from there. Fight. Fight.